on behalf of Leinberg Information Services, welcome to year-end planning in 2020, including planning for a Biden administration. What we're going to talk about today will be additional payroll taxes on high earners, an increase in the marginal rate imposed on high-income individuals, an increase in the capital gains rate on high-income individuals, a basic overview of changes to the estate tax and the gift tax, and an increase in corporate tax rates. So those are the overall themes. Now, there is a retroactivity risk under Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation versus R.A. Gray and Company, along with United States versus Carleton, a Supreme Court case in 1994. So yes, a Democratic Congress could pass this bill and it could be signed by President Biden next year and it could have retroactivity to January 1st. Now, historically, that might not happen in the world of the income tax, but it could happen in the world of the estate tax, perhaps with a transitional rule on the gift tax side. Now, there would be tax increases on income, $400,000 and up, on the 12.4% Social Security tax, the 39.6%, excuse me, marginal tax rate, along with a capping the itemized deduction tax benefits at 28%, restoring the 3% P's limitation, adding a new Section 199 deduction phase-out. Those would be all things that we would expect to happen at that magic number of 400000 So 400000 is the number to keep an eye on. With respect to capital gains, if an individual earned over a million dollars and they had capital gains over that PICS, there would be a 39.6% rate applied to capital gains when you have over a million dollars worth of income. So we're not quite sure on the mechanics of that, but imagine people maybe not that wealthy worth three or four million dollars that sell a, a big asset. Of course, they would be challenged to pay tax at that type of rate. Now, and there'll be a lot of planning that goes into that, charitable trusts, opportunity zones, etc. Now, eliminating the basis step up at death. Another proposal out there is to eliminate the basis step up at death. This is kind of a big thing. And what we're concerned with here is traditionally when a person dies, they receive a step up basis. That doesn't happen in every country. In Canada, there's actually gain recognition at death. And we might move to either no step up or gain recognition at death. So that's something we want to keep a very close eye on. And that's going to change how we do planning during lifetime too. Other ideas uh, on the, from the Democratic side of the aisle, an increase in the child and dependent care credit from $6,000 to 8000 expanding the ACA premium credit, expanding the EITC for childless workers over age 65, a new renewal ed, renewable energy credits, first-time homebuyer tax credit, renter's credit for those who are housing burdened, in quotes, and expanded retirement savings credit. So there's a lot of other ideas, and basically what we're worried about most, of course, is the increases at the top, you know, typically the clients we would tend to represent. Now, where we are, uh, remember, when you earn over $400,000, you're well past the Social Security threshold of about $137,700. There'll be a gap between one thirty-seven and 400000 where there is no additional Social Security tax imposed. But once you hit $400,000, we are going to move into a world where the 12.4% tax 
is imposed again. Now, if they went this far, you would think they would clean up the loophole with S-corporations. If not, uh, the key will be to continue to have clients create S-corporations and separate their earnings into sweat-of-the-brow income in terms of a reasonable salary and a return on capital in terms of dividends and earnings from the S-corporation. What we're looking at, if this does happen, you have to look at the marginal rates of W-2 earners, C-corp earners with dividends, and C-corp earners with great income greater than a million dollars. Those rates would jump from 45% all the way up to about 56% on the federal side. So we'll learn more about that as this develops, and we'll all have to take a pencil to this and figure out what is the best thing for our clients. Now, what the interesting thing is that best thing, whatever it is, is going to vary greatly from state to state. So in one state, that will make a lot of sense. Being a C-Corp will make a lot of sense. In other states, being an S-Corp will make a lot of sense. And um, that's going to be up to individual CPAs on a state-by-state basis to figure out. The one thing that is important to keep eye on, if we have this type of tax change, we definitely want to be ready to exercise non-qualified stock options and incentive stock options in fall. And the thing to watch out for is, remember, under the SEC rules, there are blackout periods where an executive simply cannot exercise options. So we need to be ready for that. Interesting enough, deferred compensation, there may be some ideas here that come out towards the end of the year of having people receive deferred compensation where they are subject to Social Security tax on the earnings when that deferred compensation is earned or awarded but perhaps not, but if you could do that this year, you would keep that income. You wouldn't be subject to the 12.4% tax. So that could be a really big deal uh, for many, many people. And we're going to look at that and come up with some more ideas on that going forward. Now, they will restore the 39.6% marginal rate. That would apply to income over $400,000. And that's going to change a lot of our tax planning you'll probably be doing a lot of Roth conversion planning towards the end of the year. Okay, so you'll probably be doing a lot of Roth conversion planning. Harvesting gains will be a really big thing. If we know we need funds for a specific purpose, uh, we may want to harvest those gains in 2020 at a 15 or 20% rate rather than waiting till next year if income is very high where they'd be taxed at 39.6%. So Roth conversions, harvesting gains, probably defer, deferring loss harvesting for our wealthiest clients, deferring business expenses in the next year, exercising non-qualified stock options, and also there will be interfamily 453 sales that should be exercised this year. We do want to take a good look at this cap on itemized deductions, uh, capping the benefit at 28%. I don't know mechanically how that's going to work, but if you made a had itemized deductions of $40,000 and you're in a 37% bracket, that saves you $14,800. If that's reduced down to a 28% benefit, that saves you $11,200. With this 28% cap plus the P's limitation, I think what we're going to see is many, many changes here. and It's going to force more people to probably just take the standard deduction. And that's going to be something we all have to work through. So remember, they would bring the P's limitation back. 
The cutoff for that, again, we're at that magic $400,000. So we're at that magic $400,000. Everything above that, you'd multiply by 3%. So if you made a million dollars, you'd multiply, you'd take a million dollars, you'd subtract out your 400000 and then you would have to cut your itemized deductions by $18,000. You'd cut your itemized deductions by about $18,000. There would be an additional proposal. We do not know exactly what that's going to look like, but starting at $400,000, you'd have another hoop to jump through on 199 Cap A, um, and that might cut that down a little bit more. Keep in mind the effective S-Corp rate under President Obama was 396 under President Trump, it dropped to 29.6 because of 199 Cap A. And under Vice President Biden, the proposal would probably bring you close to 39.6% again. So we do need to be very um, careful of that. Okay, so if we uh, come along, we make more than a million dollars of income, you're going to see your capital gain rate and qualified dividend rate jump from 20% to 39.6%. So if you expect to sell assets in the near term, now might be the time, especially interfamily sales um, that you're not going to use grants or trusts for. You would harvest now and enjoy that gain at a 20% rate rather than at a 39.6% rate. So that's something we need to keep in mind. Um, we built a little calculator to do those calculations to see where those breakpoints are, but it takes a lot of time to overcome a 20% doubling in rates. And if the step-up in basis um, is retained, many people will be substantially um, encouraged to hold on to assets until death. However, if the step-up in basis is eliminated, then, again, the whole way wealthy individuals invest will probably change. That 39.6% rate is definitely going to encourage, I think to some extent, if you... If you already have a large gain, it's going to encourage you to continue holding that property. On the other hand, you could say it will also encourage short-term short-term mentality uh, for individuals who do not have large built-in gains because if they hold it six months, nine months, or 13 months, uh, the tax rate is going to be the same. So the step up in base at death, um, a lot of talk on this for a long time about eliminating this, and we did have... Uh, one year where there's some modifications there, although there were some fairly large exemptions. But keep in mind, if we have to recognize gains at death, that will even be a bigger event. And the question is, hopefully they will build into that the continued ability to take a 691C deduction for any estate tax paid. Because if you have to pay a step-up in basis tax at death and you have to pay estate tax on the same dollar, you're going to lose well over 60 70% of that property unless there's an integrated calculation where you subtract the tax liability away. Now, on the business side, again, what we actually, what we're anticipating is the rate would go from 21% to 28% on the C-Corp side. Now, that may not be the end of the world, especially if they leave Section 1202 in place. Other ideas that are out there are the new corporate minimum tax, doubling the rate in the international world on the guilty rate, and manufacturing communities tax credit, which would reduce the tax obligations 
of businesses and communities which experience major layoffs and a new market tax credit, that would be expanded. So we've certainly covered a lot of ground today. Hopefully I've given you a couple of ideas of where the ball is going or where the puck is going, uh, to quote Wayne Gretzky. And I'd like you to think about that. And we can't go to our clients in November, for example, and say, Vice President Biden will be the next president. Your estate tax will change dramatically. I need you to give away $23 million in the next 40 days. Um, that is a very major lift psychologically. Forget all, all the logistics that go into that. Just think about it from how that impacts a person's psyche. And what I'd like you to encourage, encourage you to do is start planting seeds on the estate tax, on Roth IRA conversions and on this capital gain issue, and finally an itemized deduction. So if you could take only four things to your clients, let's write these down together, it would be the estate tax would be one. The second thing would be the itemized deductions, Roth conversions because of higher rates, along with looking at the long-term capital gain rate of going from basically 20% to 39.6. So those would be the key things, the estate tax, itemized deductions, the Roth, and the long-term capital gain rate. I hope this has been helpful. On behalf of Leidenberg Information Services, this has been Bob Keebler discussing year-end tax planning in 2020. Thank you for joining us.